If I could have the ushers come forward just for a moment, please. Mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, how do you like Indiana weather today, guys? Yeah. Yeah, you thought about mowing your yard last week, didn't you? Now you want to get the snowblower out. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Father, for the gift that you give seed, Father, to the sower. But, Father, it's more important than that, Father. It's a covenant promise. And so, Father, as we stand in the covenant, Father, we thank you, Father, right now that we can stand with the assurance of everything that promise holds, Father, that you rebuke the devourer, Father, dear Lord, that you open the windows of heaven, Father, that you go before us and around us and beside us, Father. Hallelujah. And, Father, we thank you right now that we can come and stand in that covenant promise, Father, and give that portion back, Father. Mm, hallelujah. Daddy, that we are covenant and truly kingdom kids, Father, in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. And amen. As we're taking ties up, I just want to do a little something on the front end. Uh, if you're still wanting to help with the youth with I, in any way, uh, this Friday the 24th is when they're going to be departing for Hamilton, Alabama. So keep them in your prayers and all the chaperones and everybody. And It's going to be a life-changing experience, ladies and gentlemen, for everyone who goes. I think we're going to... Uh, what you see leaves, not what you're going to see come back. Not that there's anything wrong with them now, but the thing is, if you can get more and more and more into a saturated atmosphere and bring that back and drop that nugget, I'm, I'm all for it. Hallelujah. And I'm so excited for the youth and everyone going. Uh, and then this Saturday is men's breakfast, the 25th, 8 to 9. So if you can come, if you want to invite somebody come, if you can bring a side dish and come, uh, we're trying to get it to where the men... Uh, just bring a little something and we just kind of share in to make it more of a fellowship type type thing and uh, just come and Jay's still in his series uh, yeah I think we'll start that back up chosen series and um, so come on that April the 1st uh, which is on a Saturday night at 6 p.m. praise and worship night put that down uh, be a fantastic time I know they they tried to uh, you know, set within about six to eight, don't you, or six to seven, but it's really whatever the Holy Spirit wants. I mean, really, I mean, it's, that's kind of a time frame, but, uh, and then uh, April the 7th, which is a good Friday service at 6 p.m., um, just, just come out, invite someone to come out, and uh, uh, we're just going to have a time just for a little bit, just reflecting, um, you know, we, we have become so um, seasoned in things that, we don't appreciate the fullness like really, ladies and gentlemen, Christmas is every day because His love is giving every day. And Easter is every day because there's resurrection life every day. Hallelujah. And we really understand the importance of where God's taken us. We start seeing the fullness of that. And, and um, then the next, uh, well, just right up there, is Easter on the 9th. Now, on uh, Easter, there will be no Sunday school and no p.m. service. There'll be morning service only. So on Easter, no Sunday school and no p.m. Now, we'll have that out and have everybody uh, where you can make sure you get that. And then on the 16th, in the morning service is baptism, and uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there, so pray about that. And um, 
But I'm pretty open to anything. I've been in services where they only had four and 20 got up and got in. So if we're doing baptism and the Lord speaks to you that morning, get up. Get up. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to be on there and the Lord says, uh, hey, I want you to get baptized. You jump in and get baptized. Amen. <clears throat> uh, I told Jace just to, I'm not going to run off the board today. Uh, I want to kind of just, actually I'm going to cover a lot in a short time. I kind of want to preach, teach a little bit here today. I don't know why me and Pastor Roger's kind of been in that mode here lately, but we just kind of have. It's kind of been a preach, teach thing. And this one here um, really hits all of us, ladies and gentlemen. But I want, but I titled the seasons of God. How many of you know there's seasons within the walk of life of God? The seasons of God. And so <clears throat> I jotted these down right here. In a season of life, even as a Christian, uh, we endure sadness and heartbreak, loneliness, sickness, hope, new beginnings, opportunities, growth, protection, distractions, abundance, success, achievements, failures, all in the life of a Christian. See, so this pie in the sky and life under the shade tree with iced tea is not a gospel that's true. There is ups and downs even when you walk the road. Can you say amen? I want you to understand because this is the biggest game that the devil plays on the church and individuals is if he can come at them hard enough, then they get to saying, what have I done wrong? You ever said that? Yeah, oh, don't raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. What have I done wrong? The thing we need to say is, I must be doing something right. Because the devil will never try to shut down nothing that he's not afraid of. Or the revelation he sees you walking towards. Because he knows that he's the father of lies. And if revelation becomes more uh, open to you, to his schemes, then he knows he can't trick you and use you in ways that he has in the past. And he's done it to all of us. And don't get real spiritual on me because we've all been there. And we've all had times when we said, I don't know if this thing's working or not. Woo, don't raise your hand on that one. Yes, we've all said that. We was out Saturday, right? It was cold Saturday. But this guy, I was told him, and he said, he said, I, I, I just need Jesus. I just need Jesus. Well, I had one of them spiritual Christians stop. I'll be nice. And he said, Pastor, I think you, you, you need to be doing it this. See, you always knew, want to tell me how to do things. I think you need to be doing it this way. It just come out of me, Pastor Roger. I'm sorry. It just come out of me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, so you mean be like you and drive around and just impress the group that you run in and never do nothing outside of it? He just stared at me. And I just walked on because we've got to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that there's a world out there. Here's a man that I have been sowing into for years, and I didn't have to, but God allowed me to see the harvest into that. And he said, I need Jesus. That's the only reason we're even breathing that Ruach today, guys, is so the assignment in us can point people to a risen Savior because it is only the blood of Jesus that is going to change anything. And I want you to get this in your foundation 
So many people are walking around today. They're wore out. They're tired. They're going through stuff. And they say, what's the matter? And, 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 it, it's, and it's like churches, it's, it's amazing. Everybody is wanting an, an in and out service or they want this song or that song. You know what, guys? I just want his presence. I just want his presence. Well, I like this music, or I don't like that music. And, you know, we was, we was talking back there in, in the media booth before we started, and, and I remember a service one time, and I won't say where, but the, uh, an older lady was standing at the front, and they was playing, they was playing music that, well, it was, it was upbeat music. It was upbeat, I'm told like skillet-type music, okay? You understand that. And kids had flooded the altar. And this lady was waving. You remember this? And this lady was just waving like this. And this guy come up and tapped her on the shoulder. And she, he said, how do you stand that music? And she pulled her cotton balls out. And she said, what? He said, how do you stand that music? She said, oh, I don't like this music. She said, but look at the fruit. See, when we get our preference and chase after his presence, he begins to work. And I never forgot that. that. That meant so much to me because she had she come from a generation that all they knew was the older hymns. And there's nothing wrong with the older hymns. But she could have said, this is how we've always done it. But she said, Father, whatever your presence brings and there's fruit in that, I'm with it. And that's where we've got to be today because I'll tell you, Things are changing every day. Every day I look, the Father is just shifting and shifting and shifting. And I want to talk about that a little bit today because in Daniel 2, 21, 22, he said he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Sometimes we feel, don't raise your hands, my prayers go unanswered. I have waited so long, I'm getting tired, I'm getting wore out. And it's getting me to a place of being discouraged. And don't raise your hands. Because I, I don't want you to, whoo, I don't want that today. I want this, the devil's going to get exposed today. If you will allow him into your vessel, if you allow the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, here am I, do what you want with me, then you're going to go up another notch into his, into his presence with you today. But it all starts with, Lord, here am I. See, when I, when I spoke of seasons there a minute, i got to get a drink. I'm sorry, Elias. Have y'all been dealing with that throat thing? Has anybody been dealing with that throat thing? And oh, I'll tell you, terrible. But hey, we're good. The word season comes from a Hebraic word which means moed. Now just listen to me a minute. Which is a root word from the word modim but in the English that's where we get season. Now, now get this right here. It is a foundation Latin word of ad which means eternity and it also means a mark in time. There's a seasons, there's mark in times in our life that God has things set in our life that did not catch him by surprise. We may not knew we was going to be standing here that day, but God already knew there was a mark in time, and he said, I am the great I am. I will come. I will get you through this. I will wrap you. I never leave you nor forsake you. 
I think about when you guys got that call on Kai and he was in that thing. There was a mark in time. God knew that you was going to be sitting there. But God, and when you showed up, you got called. It was the first time that God said, hey, I'm already here, guys. I'm already here. Because I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. And everybody said, oh, my, 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 my. But I remember when I talked to Dean on the phone. Now, I'm not going to get into graphics, but she was as calm. You was calm. You was calm. And I said, she said, you know what she told me? She said, God's got this. She said, God's got this. There is a seasons we go through, whether it's everything I mentioned there and more, sadness, heartbreak, loneliness, sickness, hope, new beginnings. It doesn't matter. We got to realize that's a mark in time. Sometimes we cause it. Sometimes the devil attacked it. Sometimes, but you have to realize this. God said it's a mark in time because what he done, he spoke everything into existence. He's standing and watching it coming at him. It kind, of, woo, it kind of blows our mind a little bit because we think, well, I don't wake up till tomorrow, so what is tomorrow hold? He already holds tomorrow. And he knows what's in tomorrow. So don't get shaken up by seasons. I'm going somewhere with this. Ecclesiastic 3 says, For everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to plunk, and a time to be planted. Psalms 90 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Proverbs 16 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. James 4 says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then you vanish. Proverbs 16 says, Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. 1 John 2 says, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God will abide forever. Can you say amen? amen? We have got to get our focus on the eternal things of God and quit making the temporary the major things in our life. We're just passing through, ladies and gentlemen. Let me let that sink into you a little bit. We are just passing through. We make temporal things so, so, so attractive in our life that we put the eternal on the backside. The guy told me the other day, he said, I, I said, won't you come? It was one of our praise and worship night. I said, won't you come? He said, oh, I've got to work overtime. I've got to make that money. I said, well, that's good. I said, then after you die, I said, somebody will blow through it in about half time it took you to make it. So he didn't like that. But that's the truth. Because God has made him think that he's a provider and, a, and he's provision for his family, which we should work. But the devil has come in and made that guy, and that, him think that if I don't work and make that money, then, then it, 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 it's not doing something for me. You know, I'm not talking you don't need to be a provider. But if the devil can get you to chase even the things that you think are good, he'll keep you out of the presence of God. Now hang with me here because I'm getting ready to unload this right in here. When we take a little bit of a look at 1 Kings, we see another powerful vessel that God used in a very mighty way. See, God uses you even if you're kind of, uh, kind of messed up at times. How many of you know that? Huh? How many of you know even if you don't get it right, God uses you? Huh? You're a work in progress. I like to say under construction. 
Can you say it that way under construction? In the very mighty way, but yet this person had ups and downs, even in the midst of the mighty, powerful things in and around this person. Well, now who was that person? Well, that person was the prophet Elijah. Now his name literally means Yahweh is my God. But I just want to unfold just a little bit about Elijah. See, we look at the prophet of God, and Elijah has similar spiritual warfares that surrounded him the same way it surrounds us. Starting in 1 Kings chapter 17, I'll just give you an overview. I want you to read this later. We see Elijah proclaiming a drought. Then he instructed Elijah to go eastward. The Lord, he said, instructed the Lord Elijah to go eastward and stay hidden by the brook Cherith, which means a cutting away. See, there is times even when God is using us in a very powerful way, at the same time, God will require us to separate ourselves from certain things that surround us. Sometimes, he says, I have to get you into a place that you start detaching yourself away from things that there's nothing wrong with it, but it's taking more of you, and I want more of you. Sometimes he will send you into a charitable place. He will send you into a place. To, it, it's a long time. A, a lot of times when, when people say, well, I, I've just kind of been home praying. I've just kind of been doing it. What they're really telling you is this right here. I've got me and God just on the plane right now, and he's doing a thing in me. How many of you just ever had to get along with God and say, God, you've got to do a thing in me? Huh? Yeah, and that's what it was right there. He's, he told Elijah, because if you read on into that, right before that, that drought, they had got all haywire. They quit serving God. They started doing idols. They, they, they was way out there, kind of like America and the world is today. You know, the last verse in Judges says, in those days, everyone done what was right in their own sight because there was no king. And we're there today now, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody calls what is right if they see it right. Whether the word says it's wrong or not, they, they just dismiss that. Hang with me, hang with me. A place marked in time, it's a season. There was a season there for Elijah right there when God sent him over to the chariot, over, over to that eastward of that place. He said, there was something there that I need to deal with you on before we go on. Say this with me, a mark in time, say it with me, a mark in time is a season. I want you to get that in your spirit because it's easy for the adversary to step in and you'll be high and then you'll be low. You'll be high and then you'll be low. You'll be high and then you'll be low. And what the devil has found out, if he can get certain seasons in your life to come in at certain times, he'll steal your joy. And if he steals your joy, he'll steal your strength. And if he steals your strength, you don't want in his presence. You're the one that Dina was hearing, just move on to the next song. Just move on to the next song. See, because there was no, there was no pleasure being in his presence. I'm here. I've came to church. I've sat down. What more do you want? We don't want anything. What he wants is all of you. But see, the presence of God shakes people up. Because when, it, when you start getting into the presence of God, there comes a time when you have to say, Lord, I haven't been giving you all of me. I've let this distract me. Well, Preacher, you act like things don't go wrong with you. There's things go wrong with me just like there's things go wrong with you. But I have to take it to the answer. How many of you know the answer is the Word of God? Yes. 
Amen? Amen. So, if you look right here a little bit more, then the word of the Lord instructed Elijah to go to Zarephath, which means a place of refinery. Refinery means to make fine, and if you look at that in more depth, it means to perfect. On the journey of life, every step, if we allow God to guide us, He will daily separate us from the things of this world and daily increase spiritual perfection into the vessels. It's a place marked in time. Let me tell you that one more time. On the journey of life, every step, if we will allow God to guide us, He will daily separate us from the things of this world and daily increase spiritual perfection into the spiritual vessels. We're all on this journey, ladies and gentlemen. First, he took him to a place. He said, there's things in your life that I want you to trim away. They're not bad things, but they're taking more of you from me. You know, it's like the guy that, that, that prays for the golf clubs or the guy that plays for the, the motorcycle or prays for the, for, the, for the bass boat. And there's nothing wrong with him thing. But then it's the guy that says, well, I can't go do this now because i got to go golfing. I can't do this because i got to ride my bike. i got to go this because i got to go out on my bass boat. There's nothing wrong with him things. But when we start making that the thing that occupied our time before we was praying for that thing pressing in, now we've started coming back out. quiet I've got a golden wing that I love to ride but I ride it very little what did I put on last year none Zero. one mile didn't I put one mile on it last year I rode it one time I'm, I'm busy through the week if you would run with me through the week you would you, you, well I'm just I'm just never home I eat 100% of my meals out through the week that's, so if you kind of realize how, how that travel looks that's how it looks that looks, and Janelle just got to the ideal. He walks in the door when he walks in the door. He may be, may not. I don't know. That don't work for everybody. But for 40 years, that's worked for us. But every time I wanted to ride my bike, and it was pretty to ride the bike, I had something scheduled in ministry. And I could have said, well, I'm going to ride my bike. And I said, no, God, give me that bike. I'm going to go where we go. It's still there. There's nothing wrong with it, and there's nothing wrong with that bike. But there's things that I had to put first in my life, and that was the assignment he had for me to do in the presence of him in my life. I love riding bikes. I'll tell you, I, there's nothing better. But there's things in our life, ladies and gentlemen, that we got to trim out first. When we trim out, then he starts perfecting us into the season of that calling. How many of you know we go from different callings in our seasons? I knew people that was praise and worship leaders and become youth pastors. Youth pastors become senior pastors. Senior pastors become missionaries. It's all in the season of the calling. But in that is different trimmings and different refinerings. But also in that is the very thing I started out with. Sadness, heartbreak, loneliness, sickness, hope, new beginning. It's all in there at the same time. Because that's all the devil's got to work with. And he said, if I can just get a hold of their temporal, because he said, I know what to hang on to you much. I realized that more than everything. And about a, it's been about a month ago, went at the mom's house burnt down, right? My mom, 92 years old, lived in that house for over 70 years. And the only thing she walked out with was the clothes on her back. I was here at the church when I got the call. The time I got over there was about 45 minutes. Uh, the police already had her setting out. 
and I walked up and I just looked around and she looked at me. Now my mom's 92 years old and for 92 she, she tracks pretty good. And she looked at me and she says, well, you know, honey, it's just stuff. Her whole life. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that spoke to me. Her whole life. Her car, her clothes, everything went up like that. And she said, you know, honey, it's, it's just stuff. And then she raised her hands and she said, thank you, Lord, for all my friends and neighbors that come around helping. See, when we get our eyes off the temporal, ladies and gentlemen, and get it on the, on the, on the eternal, it changes the way we perceive things. It changes the seasons that we go through. It changes. It doesn't mean we will not have seasons. We're going to have seasons because they're marked in time. But it changes the way we react in them seasons. Now hang with me here. Because right here, Elijah, you think Elijah, Elijah, man, if Elijah and Elisha got together, man, they was powerful. But that man had struggles too. God had to take him to two different places. He'd been hiding before that. So on this journey of life, every step, it's the very place God and Elijah in the season. See, even in the midst of him hiding even in the midst of him going to the brook from the brook. The brook dried up. The ravens quit feeding him. Where did he send him next? He sent him to the widow. What did he do with the widow? He went to the widow and he brought her an uncommon provision, raised her son, even in the midst of his refinery. See, sometimes even in when God's working on us through our obedience, he allows us to affect others even while he's working on us. Amen? Even through Elijah's, God was doing everything with him right here. But even through that, God sent him by to, to a widow. Then the widow's son died, and she ran to the man of God, and he laid on, breathed on no sword, and life come back into the sun. And, and Elijah was running. He was in a mess right there. He said, you don't know what I'm going through, people. You don't know what I'm going through. But he allowed God to cut certain things away. He allowed God to refine things in him. And then as you walk into chapter 18, 1 Kings, Elijah was in a situation that he'd never been before. Elijah had been moving and hiding out for over three years. God had him just in and out over three years. And then you walk into chapter 18 of 1 Kings, and here we are waiting on God. And he was really, really what he was doing, if you read down through it, he was waiting on God and saying, God, take care of me. What do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you want? Sometimes God's waiting on us to step out. You can't move a parked car. And if you are really in tune with Him, I don't know if y'all, but I've stepped out the wrong way before and I've heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, hey, we're, we're, we're going this way. We're going this way. The whole time I was sitting back here and said, oh Lord, I just, I just prayed like that. And I could just see God up with His arms folded. You know, boy, if you'll just move. If you'll just move. See, sometimes the weight is on us. It's not on God. But we have been programmed for that sure thing so much that the intimacy of the eternal uh, has become so much we don't know the, the eternity of, of, of the treasure of His voice. Hang on with me. Hang on with me so much. Verse 
So here we go right here. He's coming down. God's got him. The Israelites are turned away and they're still worshiping idols. There was a three-year drought going on. I just want you just to kind of see where we're at in this situation right here. We're almost right where we are with God today. There is a spiritual drought across this land. People are worshiping anything that they can consider worshiping. Now we got people thinks they're cats and people thinks they're this and people thinks they're that. And now I've seen the other day they got a new thing out that uh, it's called uh, uh, canine. Canine people. They wear collars and they walk like a dog, and you got you're supposed to talk to them like a dog. That's not funny, ladies and gentlemen. That's sad. That's sad, but that's where we are in, in this world today. If evermore they need the church, the true church, to stand up and say this is the way, the only way. People need set free, ladies and gentlemen. The Israelites had turned Elijah and met with King Ahab in the middle of the road, and Elijah invited Ahab and all the people, as well as all the prophets of Baal, and Asher up to the top of Mount Carmel. I, I tell you what I think is neat about Mount Carmel because Elijah's name, as we talked about up here in the first, it means God Yahweh. But when they got to Mount Carmel, what I like about Mount Carmel is here Mount Carmel means, in the Hebrew, means a vineyard. And even though Elijah was running and he, God was trimming things and God was doing things, God was taking him back to the very thing that I am the vine. I am the way. See, there's one thing, if we'll always run back to the one that feeds us, ladies and gentlemen, there's always restoration in that. Always restoration into that. So God took him up to Mount Carmel, and right there, is a, it's a place of vineyard. It's a, it's, it's, Jesus said, I'm the vine. It represents perfection of mankind, and that only comes through Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Even religion will gather around the presence of God until person of accountability is needed. See, I want you to realize all them, all them prophets of Baal and all them went up there, they, they all went up to the vineyard and they was quiet until accountability. See, religion will not raise its head until the presence shows up. When the presence shows up, that's when accountability starts and that's when truth starts exposing religion. Now hang with me because right here, Elijah, you got to realize for three years, he was just kind of ducking around just trying to stay going. And a lot of times we serve Christ like that. We come in and out of church, we do things, we come to this, we come to that. But it's, it's, it's like I asked the guys Saturday, I, there was a guy from a Washington church, Bicknell church, and, and, and I forget where they were from, but I, this is what I asked him, I said, how many people have you witnessed to this week and how many people have said yes to Christ? I said, it's not a trick question. I said, you sit in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, you go to Bible study, you read your word, you got these bumper stickers, you got these shirts on. How many people have you told to G about Jesus this week? They all stared at me. I said, and what are you doing? What are you doing? Why do you even go to church? Why do you even serve God then? Isn't he worthy to start telling this world about? Well, yeah. I said, well, then why don't you open your mouth and tell him? Well, you don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is, is I had somebody bold enough come up to tell me and says, look, Jesus loves you. Even in the midst of me cussing them out, they come to me and they said, Jesus loves you. 
So that didn't work, so I grabbed things and throwed at them. They said, Jesus loves you. There's something I found out, ladies and gentlemen. You can't fight love. And when the love of God starts showing up, people change. This man that we witnessed Saturday, when I met him a year ago, he hated church, hated preachers, and didn't want nothing to do with them. And I listened to every remark you could think of, and then some. But I always left with this. I love you. I'm praying for you. Jesus loves you. Hey, you need anything? What do you need today? Can I do something for you? You'd be surprised when you start reaching out, reaching into others, how that changes things, ladies and gentlemen. So this is where Elijah's at right now. He's, he's up there, and so he meets all these people in Mount Carmel. And, and, and in verse 20, Elijah, Yahweh is my God, asked the people, say, he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Meaning falter means hesitate. How long will you hesitate between two decisions? You either serve God or you serve Baal. But how long will you just sit here and hesitate? How long will you ride the fence? How long will you ride the fence? Well, I come to church and I do this and I do that. And, and I'm, yeah, but you know, time's going to run out, ladies and gentlemen. And there's going to be a time that there's time no more. And when there's time no more, there's no more decisions. And when there's no more decisions, there's no say, Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. No, I've sent you time and time and time and time again. I've been calling you back to the vineyard. I've been calling you back to refine. I've been calling you back to cut things away. I've been calling you back just to me. But you've always had an excuse because the world was stronger connected to you than my presence was. I had the t-shirt, I had the bumper sticker, I went to Bible study, I did this. But what did you do? Nothing. Because I mean, you did not know. Hang with me, hang with me just for a moment here. He built the altar, Elijah did, the fire consumed the offering. You can read it in verse 40, Elijah said, and this is what he said, he says, Seize the prophets of Baal. Seize the order of man-made religion. Take them down to a brook named Kishon, which means hard ground. There is a time we must deal with the religion in us and around us and stand for the truth. It's hard ground. It needs broken up. And Kishon, if you will read down through there, what did he say to do with all the prophets? What did he say to the prophets? He said, kill them, didn't he? He said, get rid of that religion. Kill it today. Today. And where did Elijah run back when it was all said and done? He ran right back up to the vineyard. He ran right back up to the thing that says, my only source. And what did he start doing? What did he start doing then? He started praying. He said, Lord, see, because relationship had been restored, order had been restored, he said, Lord, let it start raining. Lord, let your revelation start coming down. Let your provision start coming back down. And he knelt and it says and he put his head between his knees and he prayed. And he asked his servant, he said, go out there and look across there. Tell me if you see anything. Sent him six times. And every time, what did he tell him when he come back? He said, I don't see nothing. But the seventh time, he said, go out there. Seventh time, what did he say? He said, I see the size of a man's hand, don't I? I see something coming. I see something. But right before that, he told him, he said, I hear the sound of rain. See, there's something in the spirit realm will tell you that what's getting ready to manifest in the natural. That's like when they was in the upper room at Acts, it said they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind and then whoosh, it come into the house. 
There's something about the sound of his presence. And then as you go on down through, Elijah went back and he, he did it six times. Then on the seventh time, Elijah ran ahead and he told Asher and all of them, he said, get your horses, get going. And he ran ahead of them to a place in the valley called Jeril, which means God's souls. It was a place of habitation. It was a place he ran ahead of them to the entrance. But he stayed there. And they're all running in and rain's coming down. And then Ahab, whose name means love, went and told his beautiful wife, Jezebel, whoo, whoo, which her names mean pure. Isn't it amazing how religion will walk in innocent before it wants to get a hold of you? And he told them what, what Elijah had done to all the prophets, what he'd done to religion, how he'd broke religion up, how the presence of God was coming in. And she come at him, she come at him strong, come at him so strong he started running again. And it said that he stopped underneath a broom tree. Now if you'll study that out, that is a real, real weak tree that does not provide any shade or nothing to anybody. And he was underneath of it, and really he just wanted to die. See, when we go trying to figure our own protection, our own shelter, it's not going to work for us, ladies and gentlemen. The angel of the Lord came to him and fed him and sent him on his way. And then, and then he went to a cave to hide out. The man that had just witnessed the most powerful thing of God, he watched the widow, he watched remarkable things in her life. He watched the boy be raised from the dead. He went, on mount, he, went on, he went on top of the mountain and he, he, he watched the power of God. He watched provision come down. The man that watched everything that God could do in his life is now on the run again for his life because he has let fear come in on him. And what did God do when he walked in that, went into that cave with him? He said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Get up. And if you'll read the next chapter over, as he sent him on, he found a young man plowing, and that's where Elijah and Elisha became together. But it wasn't because that he wasn't one. He, he was going through trials, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm here to tell you today and tell you right now, there will be things that you'll see in your life, the mighty power of God, and then there will be challenges. Religion will always challenge when you go higher in God. But you cannot allow and let the adversary, let the voices of yesterday stop your tomorrow, what you're walking in today. The adversary will do it. There's things that we have to let go and let go and let go of and say, God, this has been stopping me. I had a friend, still a good friend of mine, but for many years he wouldn't preach certain things because he wanted to be liked. And I told him, I said, you're going to have to get past that. You're going to have to get past that. You, you can't. You can preach it in love, but you've you got to get past that. He said, well, I don't want people to hurl things at me and say bad things. I said, they're going to say it no matter what. Get, just get, get, get out of that. The thing you need to do is you need to get your face down here. You need to get in that vineyard position and say, Lord, what do you want me to say? Because if the Lord has told you to do it, he has prepared the hearts for it. But it will also expose religion in the midst of it.
But there's times that people just want to give up because they said, I can't take no more. I can't take no more. And see, the devil understands that if we look at the temporal more than we do the eternal, that he will stop us in the middle of the assignment. Elijah was ready to stop. He had just gone from hiding. He just went out. He just seen the miraculous things of God happen. And then, oh man, they're coming at me again. They're talking about me again. Boom, he goes right back into hiding. Because that's the only place that he felt safe. He wanted to withdraw because he couldn't see the security of, of the Father. And God walked right into that cave. He showed him the wind. He showed him the rain. He showed, God walked in there. He walked right in there. He said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Don't you know who I am? And that's my question for you today in your seasons. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? That's a valid question. I'd like to ask everybody in every church in America that today. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Believe it or not, one out of one dies, ladies and gentlemen. Unless rapture comes and we're all going to go up, which would be okay with me. But there's going to be a day that every one of us is going to stand before the great I am and we're going to give an account. It's not going to be a co-worker. It's not going to be a board. It's not going to be a council. It's not going to be a president. It's not going to be anybody. But God's going to say, what did I tell you to do? Why did you come? Why come to? What did I tell you to do? Well, Lord, I didn't have to. And then he's going to play all them opportunities. See, it says you're going to see your whole life. He's going to play all them opportunities. And he said, I had this guy come. I sent this guy in from California to preach to you. I had this co-worker tell you about me. I, all them times that we had good excuses down here is not going to mean a fiddle up there. This isn't hard preaching, ladies and gentlemen. This is truth being revealed to show you that one of the greatest prophets that we talk about, Elijah and Elisha, he went through the very same thing that we go through. He would see highs in God, and then he would see lows in himself. He'd see highs in God, he would see lows in himself. Highs in God, lows in himself. And finally, God just walked in that cave and said, What are you doing here? We're coming to a place, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're getting tired of hearing this, but there, we're coming to a place that we're going to have to understand hanging on to the hand of God more than ever to get us through life. I want you to stand just for a moment. Different sermon, and I hope it is. Stand for a minute. Bow your heads, please. I want you to just do a little soul searching here for just for a minute. Because this is a valid question. I ask myself this. Where have I let ups and downs just walking with God stop me and where am I trapped at? See, we get entrapped in things. We get into motions. When we get, well, honey, I, I'm, I'm older and you know I've been serving the Lord. That doesn't matter. My 92-year-old mother said something to me the other day. She always went to a non-spirit-filled church and everything like that. And she said something the other day that, that really kind of rocked me. She said, you have challenged my faith more in the last year than any time in my life. And I go in every time, Janelle can tell you, I go in and she's sitting with this big lamp on and she's reading her Bible. And then she'll ask me, she'll say, what does that mean right there? 
You're never too old to let the presence come in stronger. Never. I want you to do a little soul searching right now. Can you just play a song, Jace, real light if you got it up there? I just want you to do a little soul searching just for a minute. And if you think you're okay and I don't need this, I'm going to let you and God be together on that. Because I don't know there's one person, including myself, that don't need to go deeper in God every day. And when we get to the place that I'm okay and everything's good, we are in dangerous ground, ladies and gentlemen. Because the Bible says those that hunger and thirst, he shall feel. There's a hunger and a thirst about his presence every day. They're saying there's, listen to him. Turn that up just a little bit, Jace. If you want to come up to the altar and come around the altar a minute, just come on up here a minute. If you want to stay at your seat, stay at your seat. But if you want to come to the altar a minute, just come up here a minute. Just come around the altar a minute. Just take a step out. There you go. You, got, you just got to take a step out, ladies and gentlemen. See, that's how you break religion. That's how you break the devil when you take that step. Well, I don't want to be the first one. I'll tell you what, I want to be the first one around the throne, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Come on, just raise your hands to him a minute. Say, Daddy, here am I. Come on. Whatever you have for me today, Dad, that's what I want. Nothing more, nothing less. Doesn't matter where I'm at, I just want you, Daddy. See, for many of you, it's been a long time since you've had His presence pour down on you in a, in a way where you feel His presence. What are you trying to get out of us? I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I'm trying to realize this right here, that there is a holy God that has made a way for me and you that we did not deserve. And He loved us so much, He said, Look, I am the way, I am the life, I am the door, and nothing, 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 comes through, except it comes through me. And life, and life, life has found a way to come in to where we want to chase after the temporal more than we do the eternal. And, and we walk around broken. We walk around unassured. We walk around lonely. Just raise your hands a minute, ladies. Woo!